Hello, everybody. This is David Goldsmith, and welcome to the Age of Infinite, a Project Moon Hut podcast series. We have an incredible guest on the line who's going to be talking about space is magic. You can do nothing, and amazing things can happen. His name is Yossi Yamin. He's director of Space Pharma, a really amazing startup out of Israel. How are you, Yossi? Hi, good morning, David. I'm very happy to be online with you and to describe the fascinating magical uh, system that we have now in orbit. Fantastic. So I'm assuming that you've put together an outline for me. So can you give me the bullet points we're going to be covering? Sure. Those uh, will be, uh, we start uh, uh, with the uh, crystals, uh, protein crystallization in orbit, how we create new shapes, and new structures from the same compounds that we have here on Earth. The second one will be a peptide self-assembly, which is something unique that we can uh, uh, create kind of origami folded amino acids into nice uh, structures as well. And then I will uh, describe uh, uh, some of neuron extension as well as uh, uh, axons. But first, let me tell you that we need to discuss the extreme conditions of orbit. Because right now, as you're aware of, uh, we have many satellites orbiting Earth, uh, more than a few thousands, and those providing mostly communication, geopositioning, uh, where to go, how to do it, how long it's going to take to me. And of course, Earth observation uh, for day-to-day needs. But uh, taking into consideration that those satellites used to be big, still big, heavy, uh, huge by size compared to our miniaturized laboratory, which is a 3U size, and I will describe soon what it is, a 3U size uh, by new space uh, dimension. The extreme conditions that we are now in are uh, uh, providing the environment for our creation, for our medical uh, uh, outcomes, and this is what I would uh, uh, will be very happy to discuss with you, sir. So the three U size is only uh, 30 by 10 by 10 centimeters or 8 by 4 on 4 inches. It's less than 5 uh, uh, pounds uh, by weight and comparable to uh, labware that currently exists on Earth, for example, People who are dressing white jackets, moving parts from one place to another, using hoods, using microscopes, using tables, using chairs, and of course, dealing with the uh, uh, centrifuge and uh, all other uh, big lovers uh, are now dealing with miniaturized like uh, Lego parts, delicate liquid handling uh, chips that within those we can install fascinating world of experience. Uh, it can start with bacteria, go to uh, uh, liquid, and of course, add some uh, samples of uh, life science. So what you're saying is that you've got satellites up in space that, and I'll explain for people who are listening, there is something called a CubeSat, and a CubeSat is a technology that's come about over the past few decades where We've taken satellites that used to be $100 million and the size of three people tall and two people wide, laying flat. And now what we've done is we've re- reduced them down to a size which is defined a CubeSat as a 10 by 10 by 10 centimeter 
structure and you've taken it and you've created a lab within a CubeSat using that same tech, bringing it down to hundreds of thousands of dollars versus millions and millions of dollars. And you've created a lab within there that you've put up into space. Absolutely. This is the story. It's a shoebox size or half a shoe, shoebox size or big uh, milk cartoon size that's now in orbit. And you're absolutely right. It cost us less uh, than before, much less than before. I, it can even be dramatically uh, inexpensive compared to the cost of uh, uh, on-Earth uh, lab. And this is, I think, the game changer that Space Pharma is providing right now using our DITO uh, miniaturized laboratory in orbit in a CubeSat uh, that can survive those extreme conditions we have right now. Uh, actually, tomorrow. Uh, so tomorrow, within three days, we're going to have we're going to celebrate two years of our data two in orbit, still operating, providing data, and this I think it's amazing because now, as we are talking, you can pick up your smartphone and command and control directly your experiments, your execution, your research within the CubeSat, and that means that you are uh, you are holding power in your fingers like like you were. NASA or additional space agency uh, that used to be or still very expensive compared to the means that we already developed and now available to you, David, and the market, everyone from uh, high school down to elementary school and up to academia and very sophisticated uh, clients like the pharmaceuticals. So, so let me ask you a question then, because I, that, this got me a little confused. The satellite is still flying around after two years, but you already did the experiments. Can you sure. add more experiments? No, this satellite actually is uh, done with its experiments. Still, we can observe what's happened to materials for after, you know, long duration in orbit. Uh, this satellite will survive around 19 years in orbit. I do expect it. Uh, sub-components uh, uh, to die before, but still, we executed four experiments with this system within this satellite, and our next version is going to carry, can you guess how many experiments within the same size of, of a laboratory in a CubeSat? So you'll have to describe how the, f the four work, but I think, and so I'm going to ruin your little, Lex I think you said 86? It's uh, actually going to be 360. 360. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that will allow us even to shrink the cost and to be very profitable uh, and, and to propose it to, to, to everyone. So with the, explain to me what an exp, how an experiment works because it's not an easy, it's not an easy leap of faith for an individual sure. to be able to say, okay, we have a lab up in space, what does that mean? That means that, first of all, you must be creative. So uh, as a scientist, as a teenager, someone within uh, the STEM classes or uh, in any other lab, you uh, would like probably to solve a, a chemistry, flow chemistry issue or a drug and, and, screening. Wait, so so flow, flow chemistry, what does that mean? Flow chemistry is a technology that while you are pushing streams of uh, liquid into reservoir bags or into reaction channels, 
uh, and chambers, uh, something happened between the liquids through the flow. And those uh, fascinating things are the magical crystals that we can uh, now build in orbit, build in space. Okay, okay so the, you were just talking, so what you're saying is that you can, you can, in, <coughs> let me, you can inject a, a liquid into another liquid or do you yes. inject it into a cell or do you inject it into, what do you, what do you inject in? We inject uh, at least two uh, different liquids into, uh, actually mix them. Uh, we can mix uh, more than two uh, together and to let them react. Uh, once they uh, under microgravity, their reaction uh, creates shapes, shapes of crystals. And uh, then we control it by uh, intervene of the temperature or uh, additional parameters that will help the reaction to be uh, much more uh, either fast, slow, aggressive, and so on. So you're saying you also have temperature control variable variations yes. that you can create from Earth. You can tell it to be a little warmer, a little cooler, and then yes. watch that reaction happen. Sure, yes. We allow those to disintervene for any of our clients once he understands the protocol and he builds a step-by-step -step procedure of execution uh, of the flow chemistry uh, liquids. Uh, so each client uh, gets the opportunity to intervene, to change variables, parameters, and uh, of, to observe it uh, using set of sensors uh, that we have now in orbit. Actually, we have a uh, uh, of course, electro-optical microscope, and then we have the spectrometry, spectrometry reader. We have the temperature uh, measurement, the pH measurement, uh, glucose measurement. Any sensor that uh, is small enough can be integrated into our system and to allow full flexibility uh, for the client. Okay, so... In the in the four experiments that you did in the first one, what did you do? The first one was a German experiment uh, done by a fascinating uh, Fraunhofer Institute. That was enzymatic reaction. That uh, uh, we were trying to influence enzymes to be a, a, actually to survive some kind of a pH in order to improve. A daily a product. I cannot tell what is the product, but that's fine. I, that's, I that's can fine. tell you that it's a daily usage. Every one of us squeeze one of that every morning. Okay, so you were, you had to choose, you had four different clients, or you had one client who did all four? No, we have four different clients. The second one was the UK uh, top scientists uh, uh, for crystals and protein uh, crystallization in orbit. His name is Professor Lee Cronin from University of Glasgow. And he actually executes uh, directly crystals built in orbit using his, uh, of course, pre-installed uh, liquid into the system. And uh, the third experiment was a peptide self-assembly where one of the uh, fascinating uh, scientists here in uh, Tel Aviv uh, decided to pull up uh, 
two amino acids and let them structure a folded unique uh, shape, uh, which uh, he could not achieve here on Earth. So if you take peptides uh, or try to develop peptides on Earth using two amino acids or more, they came mostly as needles, and those are useless in orbit. We created a very delicate origami shape that uh, has even three spectra, like purple, blue, and white. So you can rely on the shape, you can rely on the chemistry structure, and you can even rely on the light to transmit the data from uh, one peptide to another and to create a fascinating uh, magical world of, uh, of uh, new things. The four experiments uh, was something which sounds very simple, although I think is dramatically uh, magical or unique. It is a mixing of oil and water, something that sounds very simple. Although, you know, David, if you take oil and, and water together in the same glass, here on Earth, you would uh, probably uh, recognize that the oil is floating and the water is down. But uh, apparently in orbit, that's not the same. In orbit, oil and water never mix. They, they never stay in two phases, one above each other. They are actually structured as a very art, uh, art uh, a position of uh, a matrix. So any point you see water, oil, water, oil, from bottom to top to the side, temperature is the same all over. And the, uh, actually, we did hear a mistake because we, we did not mark the oil. So we don't know which <laughs> bubble is the oil and which one is the water. It's amazing. But we have a fascinating thing to, you know, to try on. A, it's known as the Maraguni effect that every one of us is using it every day when he's using his uh, smartphone. You know, you have your finger with the warming uh, temperature of your body, and then you can push uh, icons, you can open, flip down uh, menus, and so on. This is the Maraguni effect. That now we are experiencing in orbit. Okay, so to add to this uh, for the listeners, you also have, uh, I'm going to say, video content, or you have cameras watching this happen. So on yeah. a microscopic level, level you can see exactly the types of reactions you're talking about. So there's there's photographic evidence that the oil and the water, that the peptide self-assembly worked, that <clears throat> that the crystals were created. Yes, our system allows the client, uh, the scientists, to observe using a variety of sensors like camera, like spectrometer reader, uh, and many more, and to take logs. That means if something unique created, you cut the log file and you can send it to, to build your IP at the USPNT, US Patent Office, and uh, I think this is also a very robust uh, technology that we now have uh, in the system. So maybe you can give me a, a short summary of each one in reference to your product, uh, low atmosphere and microgravity. So what, why, why low atmosphere, why microgravity? Why are they important to what you're doing? Or what's the difference? How does it make your product work better? Or how does it function? so that we have a better understanding. 
Uh, I must claim that uh, when we started the company, that it, uh, we didn't know that it would be like that. We read a lot of reports, most of the information related to NASA and astronaut execution of experiments in the ISS, the International Space Station, or any uh, space uh, shuttle were limited and pending for sensitive uh, reasons. But still we could read in between the lines that something unique is there. <clears throat> Although it was a very expensive, uh, long duration, we started to build our miniaturized uh, delicate system and place it in orbit, uh, where the first uh, understanding was that here on Earth, where we are experiencing the uh, one gravity, uh, you know, no one of us can fly out of it, right? Without uh, right. using a, a different force. So you can definitely use the... Uh, airplanes, or you can jump, or you can drop yourself from a tower, but still, at the end, you will stick to the ground. And that's what's not happening in orbit, in space. Actually, in space, what's happened is that everything is in a, in a, in a position of sustainable movement uh, 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 that created once a million of the force on the body, on the system, on the liquids. And once you uh, push them together and create the environment to let them uh, 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 <coughs> uh, to let them uh, actually uh, mix, that uh, creates something unique. Uh, first of all, the uh, we, as far as we are creating uh, the atmospheric box, and we have the full control on the temperature and the pressure and everything around, the crystals build sometimes very fast, very, very fast, compared to Earth, sometimes very slow. It all depends on the uh, emulsions and the compounds that we injected into the uh, containers, uh, small uh, reservoir base. And then uh, I think it's a, it's a kind of a, a magical position that nothing, you know, influence. It's all uh, stiff. If you take a droplet on Earth and you pour it on your ground or on the table, it will smash to the surface, right? In orbit, if you take a, a droplet, it will stay very stiff, a kind of a bubble, uh, very stiff. And if you want to intervene within it, you must be able to use different means, delicate sensors, to intervene and to do trial and error in order to reach the outcome. And that, that is the magical uh, thing that happened uh, in orbit, but you must use our system. Okay, so I'm going to, <clears throat> I'm going to convert this to, to non-space. Okay. What happens in your technology is you're using the fact that there's one one millionths one millionth gravity, which is the moon is one sixth gravity to Earth, and this is one millionth of the gravity. So there's there's yeah. no gravity. No gravity. And then you take no gravity, and you are using the the concept of z uh, zero atmosphere. And on Earth, that's very challenging to create, to do experimentation in it. When you have no atmosphere, you can't have explosions. You can do experiments you couldn't do otherwise. So what Space Pharma is doing, what you're doing, Yossi, is you're taking 
a molecule. Uh, you're taking in your little in your little lab. I'm not trying to insult you by using the word little. Yeah. In your lab, you're taking two types of materials and you're joining them together and you're like squirting them as syringes into a space, uh, a, a configurable space. Yeah. And you're watching it. But this is what happens that's different than on Earth. On Earth, if you were going to create a molecule, you would, and it was had a round structure, the Earth's gravity can pull down the molecules and therefore it would fall apart like pick up sticks if you were playing a game. It won't create a full structure. If yeah. you could just for imagine, and I think this is what you're trying to say, is if you can imagine you go up into space, you now have an environment where no gravity is pulling on it. So as you're starting to put together a shape of a circle, the circle yeah. is just standing, is sitting there in, in, in the atmosphere, not moving, not doing anything. And you can build the structure until the point in which you've got, which the Romans used the term keystone. You put a keystone in, and a keystone is the, the, last, the last piece that holds it together, like an archway sure. yeah. over a door. And you put the keystone in, and now you've got a molecule that is complete. It's finished. And that molecule, because it has been, uh, it has the keystone in it, could be brought back down to Earth and used in its form that was created in space. Absolutely. Did I say that okay? Absolutely. You okay. described it just great. Uh, maybe one uh, more issue, David. Uh, the, you know, uh, in orbit, uh, we used to have a very expensive uh, system, satellite. There are thousands uh, uh, around us orbiting Earth, but uh, you know there is the International Space Station, or used to be the shuttles, where a crew of people is uh, taking positions and uh, acting, uh, you know, to survive, to create their uh, living, uh, you know. But in our system, which is very little, as you mentioned, very small, very it's a shoebox size, we don't have a man-made. So we don't have people within it. We don't have crew in it. Uh, we are uh, autonomous. Still can use our smartphone to execute everything remotely without the uh, uh, risking the astronauts to be in space under the extreme condition and all the other uh, topics related to security and, uh, and others. So it's, this is, I guess, one of the challenges I have. You're doing all of this for the German experiment, the UK. You've got this peptide self-assembly. Yes. You're doing it up in space in this lab, but until we have labs in space... You can't simulate them to create those molecules again to use them on Earth. So what's the plan? Can you to, repeat to create, the question? To create are you, uh, you, you've done all of this. You've proven the water and the, yes. the oil. You've proven the peptide assembly. You've verified that crystals can be built in orbit. You've done all of that. Fantastic. It's a research experiment. But yes. if I wanted to manufacture that, are you in line or thinking about creating manufacturing <laughs> facilities that you can then take the material and then you can create it in space and then bring it down to Earth? Because yes. without it, you've just done research. Yes, this is, this is a great question because, uh, yeah, you're right. Once we have the desired outcome and we have something uh, unique as a research plan, or protocol, and then we have our patent uh, designed and applied, and we granted for that. 
uh, we want to produce uh, in a large scale. So State Pharma is now uh, designing uh, uh, the first factory in orbit, which is a James Bond suitcase size, no more than 25 kilos altogether of 50 pounds, that will be able to, to build uh, uh, and to generate uh, uh, high volume. But for that, I would like to say something uh, that might sound bizarre, but still we uh, confirmed that uh, recently. For any new molecule structure or a small molecule crystallization that we create in orbit, we need one gram to be down, get down to Earth. We take this one gram and we can uh, replicate it to be one kilo, 1,000 more. So okay. uh, this is a unique process that's only still sitting that we can generate in orbit or start the process in orbit, still use a very miniaturized system like we propose for research, convert it to our, use then the a factory of the future in orbit and uh, get down, let's say, the 100 uh, one grams of different structures of different uh, small molecules and from those one grams we can jump to have two generations of seeds uh, or masterpieces that came from orbits turn to be 1000 times more and so this is the process that had to be a, a continue on a so what you're telling me, or the way it sounds, is you are going to be using a sort of um, crystallization technique yeah. where once the molecule is formed in space, you can bring it down to Earth, you put it into a laboratory, and you can recrystallize that same molecule using its same orientation, its DNA, its structure, and you can multiply and produce it many times over. But sure. you do need you do need the original piece to work off of. Like uh, the analogy would be diamonds. Diamonds are being put into a vat. Then we're creating diamonds off of the original crystalline structure. Am I am I on target? So we call it seed seeding. It's very similar. Uh, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, if you want to create, you put it in a liquid. You write, uh, and those uh, masterpieces replicate uh, around. If it's the same process, probably. Yeah, the to do, and I don't know all the details of it. I haven't studied it, but to when they can take a diamond and they can put it into a lab, and then using some type of technique, they can produce or have that diamond recrystallize so that you could produce diamonds with the exact same crystalline structure, but you have to have the original. I'm not familiar yeah, with this a, process, but we are dealing with the, our process. Okay. How how do you okay. spell the the structure? What do you how do you spell it? Sid. Sid. Sid something. Sid seeding. So S I D S I D T T I N G. Once again, S W E D, Sid, and then dash seeding. S W E D I N G. Okay. And this procedure is known for very limited uh, people who are dealing with pharmaceuticals. It's kind of a secret, still very com complicated. That you, uh, but you know, once you use the masterpieces to create the 
the dosage, the big amount, uh, you must come back again and create the second masterpieces in orbit. Uh, as far as uh, the, it can be used for no more than two to six generations, it all depends on the on the protein that you crystallize or their molecules. Okay. So there, there is no oh. one single uh, solution for this uh, production. You mentioned production in orbit, and this is true. This is our way to enlarge our capacity in orbit and to provide the factory the volume creation of the products. Okay, so I'm going to read off a, a search that I've just done. Scientists create laboratory-grown gemstones a little differently. They start with a naturally mined slice of crystal mm-hmm. placed in a crucible container. A liquid mix of ingredients to feed crystal growth is put into the chamber and then subse- uh, subjected to extremely high temperatures of at least 1,100 degrees Celsius. And then they can create the diamonds. So yes. it's you're using a technique using a similar, where you're taking a similar type of process, you're taking a crystalline structure. It might be different because you're doing a biological uh, or, a, or, or a carbon-based as compared to a piece of stone. Yes. But you're doing, yes. uh, you have your own process off of that, okay. Yeah. So yes. you you had given me in terms of uh, some of the things we were going to cover was the protein crystallization in orbit, peptide self assembly, and acra neuron extension. Can you explain? Yes. Uh, let's start from on each one of them. If you could do me a favor and describe what protein is. Describe what peptide is and the, and, the, and the acron when you get to each one of them because unless you know what this these are, you've got what I would say the curse of knowledge. You know so much about it. But for someone like me, can you tell me exactly what you're talking about in each one so I know more about what types of possibilities come out of this magic? Okay. Uh, I'll start for, from the first... Uh... Uh, magical results in orbit, it's a small molecule crystallization. Uh, uh, or some like to say it's a protein crystallization, although we know that protein crystallization was done in orbit for many years. At Space Pharma, we decided to skip on that and to go directly to small molecules, which are uh, by weight less than 500 Dalton, which is a very small uh, uh, weight and less than those, 500 uh, Dalton. How do you yes. Dalton? Yes, Dalton. Okay. If you use it in, in 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 Wikipedia, you can see what is it exactly Dalton. And uh, you know, those <clears throat> small molecules on Earth are impacted dramatically by gravity. That means that there is no way that those can uh, be free of gravitation, and uh, upon that, a very limited. Uh, uh, medicines that rely on small molecules, although there is enough market for that. It's about a quarter of a billion US dollars annually, but it's a sky ceiling. You know, you, no one could uh, push it uh, further and to be able to crystallize more small molecules. So what we decided is to pick those two orbits and to try to crystallize them. And apparently it's happened. Uh, we took a set of uh, compounds which were used by uh, big pharmaceuticals to create uh, 
uh, blockbuster uh, medicine, which is a marketed medicine. And we ask them to uh, let us do the same protocol in, in orbit in order to compare what's happened within our system compared to their system here on Earth. And uh, what's happened is that uh, within uh, less than 10 minutes, we created a very unique uh, crystals that are much big by size. Uh, we can understand the molecular structure of the crystals and we definitely can use those as masterpieces to create the best medicine on Earth. Although, you know, the masterpieces came from orbit. And this is uh, the small molecule crystallization process, which is very magical, very magical. I think that when I push the button to execute the experiment in orbit, because it started as a research program, uh, we were astonished to see that those crystals are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and uh, 10 times bigger than the biggest one that you can achieve here on Earth. Uh, taking into a comparison what happened here after six years of trials, I think it's a very, very important uh, achievement. And now we are going to open a factory in orbit uh, to create many of uh, small molecules compounds that will be available for the market and to expand the uh, medicines uh, which are uh, based on small molecules and to help our life here on Earth. Uh, so, I think it's so, so when I, let me see if I can translate this into my own thinking. What you're telling me is be, the molecules are pr being able to produce faster and the only way I can see that happening is uh, or the, there's a few pieces besides the microgravity. So now you've got molecules that aren't limited by the gravitational pull. The low yeah. atmosphere or the no atmosphere, because it's not even low, it's no atmospheric conditions, allow for the reproduction of molecules to happen at a different pace because there's, there's nothing in between them. There's no molecules interfering as you would have on Earth, even if you tried to simulate it. So my guess is the reason that it can get a lot larger is because there's no interference and molecules can move within space without having to bump into other molecules. That's probably the, the answer. Yes, you're right. Okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm pretending mm -hmm. to be a biophysicist up in space, but I don't have a degree in it. Yeah, no uh, one yet, yet. No one has yet. But we're no, definitely no going to see so, those new futurism, uh, you know. Uh, but that, that's type what that is. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes it, it makes sense to me because one of the reasons that you use you will use a condition of zero atmosphere is because there are a variety of benefits. One, uh, several of them, including there's no molecules in there. there. You don't have reactions that you would have typically. So if you tried to ignite something, if you had to create an explosion or a, a molecule creation on Earth, you could ha it, could, it could ignite. There's nitrogen there, there's oxygen there, there's all sorts of uh, molecules in the air that could be ignited through the combination. But now if you remove all of that, if you have nothing there, and a molecule can move that the, at the speed it it is been created because there's nothing interfering. There's no uh, an object in motion will stay in motion unless acted upon by an outside force, which I think is Newton's third law, first or third. I think it's third. 
it would no longer have that. There would be nothing in its way. And this yeah. way it can form and it will not have any. There'll be no latency. There will be no slowing down of the molecule motion. And therefore, the next molecule and the next and the next will be able to build on top of it. So that's my guess. You've heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard it here. I'm making it up as we go along. Uh, okay. So so now you've got a protein crystallization in orbit. Is there anything? Oh, I wanted to tie to this. Is this, you mentioned something about Michael J. Fox's blood in space for Parkinson's when I was in Herzliya. Yes. Is this uh, part of the protein crystallization or is this part of the peptides? Uh, this is part of his uh, personal medicine development in orbit uh, to uh, try to build a unique uh, protein and to create a protein that's suitable for his body. Uh, I think this is another jump that we are going to experience as a magical thing. Uh, personal, uh, at the beginning, uh, early adopters with a lot of money can go to orbit and create something in a personal uh, manner. Uh, means for their own, uh, 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 suitable for their own diseases uh, to their own body. So, so, so you, didn't, you didn't realize that I was actually paying attention. I was paying attention to what yes, you were saying. Yes, yes, you are doing great. <laughs> so, yes. so, so let me let me add to this. What, what Yossi, well, actually Yossi, why don't you say what was happening with Michael J. Fox and what they were doing? And I'm assuming it's another company or somebody. Tell me what went on with Michael it's J. Fox and what was right the... now. It's a foundation, but still they use okay. the. Uh, probably uh, you know researchers to 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 do it so so they hired a firm like yours to do this in space so that they could uh, create personalized medicine is that what did happen on the international space station uh, he, he's addressing the 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 theory behind it is instead of creating a mass marketed product they're taking Michael J Fox's materials uh, his blood and samples and trying to create solutions for Michael J Fox Probably that's what has been done, and you're absolutely right. Uh, it's a very ambitious uh, activity. I think uh, they invested uh, tens of millions uh, to be able to to generate his, uh, its own uh, suitable uh, proteins uh, to demonstrate the personal medicine for the first time. Uh, but you know, not everyone can uh, can allow it for himself but we we are trying to make it more generic so uh, our system should take care about uh, let's say societies uh, you don't need 200,000 patients in order to start something which is uh, uh, a commercial you can rely on less uh, amount of patients and then to provide kind of a society uh, or clusters or group of, uh, of patients to use our system. Well, it, it's to me, it's a proof of concept. Yes. That Michael J. If Michael J. Fox can do it for fifteen million dollars, then the, then a smaller group can say, okay, that let's use let's use some network analysis. Let's look at groups, and in every in every data set, there are subgroups and groups and groups and groups. So you could say, okay, we've got people with Parkinson's at this age, in this demographic, in this type of a culture, and maybe there are 14,000 of them in the world. 
and mm -hmm. we can then create a molecule that would fit those 14,000 that have similar characteristics and behavior as a Parkinson's disease. So it's the first off and the most expensive, yet it is a proof of concept that can derive um, the need for more manufacturing in space. Okay, yeah, I think you, you got it Okay. Right. So we've got protein crystallization. What about peptides? What is peptide right. self-assembly? <clears throat> peptide is a, it's, a, it's a kind of interaction between amino acids. There are 26, I think, in, in the body and a few others, or many others that created the, uh, outside of the body. Uh, engineered outside of the body. Uh, if you take two or more and you try to, you know, to manage them to structure, you cannot achieve any structure on earth. You get needles, and this is very frustrating as uh, those needles are not useful for anything. Uh, and uh, what we achieved in orbit, actually, we took two amino acids and let them uh, mix, use, and uh, apparently we got a very delicate uh, uh, kind of balls, uh, folded uh, shapes uh, with many uh, uh, lines together and uh, even a very delicate spectra around and between. So it started with the edges of purple and then go to blue and at the middle it was very uh, uh, white uh, light. So now we know that in microgravity, you can uh, create delicate structures of two or more amino acids that can be folded and then be used for material science, medicine, and even food in a different uh, uh, manners. And this is, I think, uh, one of the great achievements that we have in orbit uh, within our first mission. So this is the peptide self-assembly, uh, very unique. And the, just, uh, I, I looked it up, there are 20 amino acids that are important to your health. Only yes. uh, only nine amino acids are classified as essential, just to give some numbers. Yes, and so we, we are trying to, 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 to work with those and to add those to different kinds of foods, uh, medicines, improvements, uh, 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 and this is uh, one of the top priority uh, activities within our miniaturized uh, laboratory and, and company. So when, when you're looking at your list of protein, crystallization, protein, uh, peptides, and acon neuron extension, is this, this is the one that you feel has the best, the way you're making it sound, is this the one that makes us appear to have the best opportunities? Yes, those are the success stories that we already can demonstrate to our partners, our clients, to the market. And that's, you know, if you want to go inside, you, you should rely on those uh, success stories uh, and to progress. Uh, we, but, you know, we have some failures. Sometimes things are not executed as we planned. Yeah, I can tell you something which is very unique for sure. All of our expectation results that we built with our clients and internally were different from the outcome that you, we achieved in orbit. I think that tells something unique, that we really don't understand how things executed or happened or why 
those turn to be this shape or this structure or whatever it is uh, under microgravity extreme conditions. And this is uh, the beauty of the, the, the researchers, the people who are willing to uh, invest and uh, to investigate and to research and to bring new things. Uh, I think humanity and mankind are going to be uh, improve uh, their know, uh, knowledge of uh, new materials, new compounds, new medicines created in all this. And this is the beauty, and we like it. You know, it's the, as you're saying this, I'm going to go to the dark side for a moment, not the dark, the far side of the moon, but the dark side. Mm-hmm. What you just described to me, the way you had brought it up, it triggered in me the fact that we, we don't know how uh, humans will reproduce in space because of just exactly what you've said. We don't know if it will reproduce, we will reproduce the same way. We don't know how cells will reproduce over extended period of time in space, not low Earth, or low Earth orbit, but in uh, outer space, we don't know. And what you're seeing as the positive to bring back to Earth, which is, as you know, is part of the Project Moon Hut initiative, is to change how we live on Earth by using space mm-hmm. and space tech. Uh, but at the same time, I'm saying, oh my God, this could be a challenge because you're seeing the impact of molecular uh, combinations that are not what you expect. So we could end up, you could also at the same time be describing what's a future for Earth. You could also (laughs) be outlining the negatives for humans in space. Yes, you definitely describe it uh, right. We don't know enough uh, to survive the way to mitigate the challenges and to use the appropriate chemicals, uh, compounds, on the way medicines, on the way food creation and, and life science uh, for our bodies needs and so on. It's uh, still a risk. I think this is the main reason that we don't see enough people going to uh, far destinations, uh, new planets. Uh, the moon, uh, even the moon is a, is a huge challenge, as you know. But, uh, you know, we, we will work it out. Uh, we will create, uh, we will improve, and we will engineer the, the molecules, the cells, to survive the journey, to survive the impact of the gravity, to survive the radiation, and to make it, uh, at the end, uh, a successful uh, journey. And a- as you know, I hope we do it fast enough, because I think there are things looming on the horizon which won't make us get there the way we'd like to. So let's go on to this axon neuron extension. Yeah, actually, yes. Go ahead, explain. I'll explain it to you. Uh, The axons are, uh, or the neurons are sensors that uh, here on Earth uh, stay on the same uh, length. So there is no way to extend those. Uh, Apparently, we use the the microgravity uh, to try to extend. Actually, we did not know that it's going to work, right? We started. The, the experiment, and we let actions uh, to grow within uh, uh, our miniaturized organ on a chip, which is a credit card size uh, laboratory, which is within our 3U lab. So we have many of those placed in inside. So we still keep shrinking in other devices. 
And uh, apparently those actins uh, grow uh, sometimes two times within 48 hours. So, okay, so actually they were doubled. Uh, now we are trying to investigate uh, why those actions became very healthy, very big, very uh, uh, large, and, uh, and to analyze it, uh, probably to uh, declutter the genes uh, and, and, and the other uh, conditions that were uh, be placed in. Uh, but this is amazing because no one here on Earth can extend neurons or, or actions. It doesn't say that we are going to, to operate people now and to connect, uh, you know, if you have a cut in your leg or if you had a, an injury in a car accident <coughs> and, you, and you lost your senses, uh, your feeling in your body, so you can still use your actions and connect two points. This is not the story. The story is a little bit complicated, and we are trying to find a way to enlarge axons to uh, improve uh, operation okay so, so let me let, let me just interject for a minute so a neuron is a uh it's part of a nerve cell and it's the part that <laughs> moves electrical impulses through your body mm -hmm. and there's part of the nerve fiber so what you're talking about because i don't know that most people are very familiar with what an axon is so the axon then will, if you can create an axon and or at least be able to generate one, you've got your you're in one position, you're very far ahead, but to be able to make it grow double is a big mm -hmm. question of why scientifically why does that happen and what's the value in that? Sure, we still it is still under investigation, but we definitely know how to extend neurons and axons. So, so that means that if in the future, if we're capable of extending neurons, we could take somebody who's had a, a severed something, mm -hmm. we might be able to create that nerve in space, bring it back down to Earth, and then potentially, again, this is a little sci-fi here or a little uh, surreal, is we can then take that nerve and, and put it back into a human to connect yes the body parts again. Is that what we're talking about? This is, this is the simple way to describe it. Yes. Uh, first of all, it's a huge discovery that your actions can be grown and doubled by, by, by length within less than 48 hours. Uh, then uh, we need to, to, to work out with the uh, surgeons and uh, to, to see what can be done with this uh, achievement. We are not clear on the, on the outcome here. So that's why when we're talking about your three, the protein, peptide, and axon, you're focusing on the peptide because that's got the biggest opportunity yeah. on a on a market space. So sure. when you look at the when you look at today, the global opportunities for a company like yours, and this is I'm not trying to fluff up numbers and make you sound good. What I'm trying to figure out is. What do you see the market opportunities for this type of product being? or And will you see many other competitors in your space in a short period of time once all of this is released? I think the market is huge. We just accomplished a recent assessment and we recognize that the market is willing for new technology and seeking and very keen to adopt this. 
but you know, it all depends on the market digestion uh, uh, process and duration. How long is it going to take to the market to adopt it completely, or at least 50% of the technology that we're proposing? Uh, the market is big. It's huge. It's, uh, I think it's refreshing. Uh, I was even surprised to see the figures. Uh, I do see some obstacles, uh, as you know, uh, big companies already uh, developed their supply chain, uh, production line, distribution, so they don't jump on any 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 uh, discovery or any new technology. It, they need to cover their own expenses, and we need to be ready to replace their current uh, expenses and technology with our uh, technology. So it's a kind of uh, uh, dance uh, with the market. Uh, let them... Uh, you know, test it and make a pilot and then to adopt uh, adopt it completely. It will take time. I would, I, I would look at it very differently than what you're saying, and excuse okay. me for interjecting here in this, is that your product is very similar to the beginnings of uh, 3D printing. When 3D okay. printing was first created in the manufacturing sector, it was it took the place of creating prototypes. So it was right. rapid prototyping. Mm -hmm. And it sat in another space in another room where the designers would create something, build it, prototype it, and then say, is this what we're looking for? Yeah. I see yours not evolutionizing the supply chain. What I see it doing is saying, okay, you're trying to find new molecules, new solutions, new challenges. Use ours as one of those testing grounds because we can proof of concept, we can give you what works and what doesn't. And mm -hmm. then if in fact you believe the supply chain should be created off of it, you can then modify, not completely uh, overhaul, but you can modify portions of your product development cycle. So you got uh, cosmetics, sure. you've got uh, uh, medicine, you've got all of these categories you've worked on. So if I was a... Uh, a pharmaceutical company, I could come to you and say, let's try this, proof of concept, 3D print, see how it works. And then I would yes. go to the next and the next. So I would say you should interject yourself into the R&D component, not into the supply chain, and start there. And True. that will rapidly grow because within five to seven years, you will have the manufacturing capability and you'll have... Uh, enough series of successes that people will say, okay, let's let's increase the scale. I agree with you. Yeah, this is how it's supposed to be. We will approach actually our uh, uh, expanding uh, plan, strategic planning, is going to uh, more discussions uh, with the R&D sector within the uh, companies, uh, uh, the R&D departments and the R&D people, and to provide you know, to propose them, as you just mentioned, a very new uh, technology to expedite things, to improve things, to make it uh, differently, and of course, generate revenue and bring health, food, and life, better life here here on Earth. On Earth. I, I, I've got to believe when we take a look at, for example, the <laughs> automotive industry, when they create a car, mm -hmm. uh, a prototype car uh, that's for futuristic, they spend millions of dollars on it.
I've got to believe that pharmaceutical companies or any of the other categories, food services, are also spending millions and millions and millions of dollars. It becomes the it becomes the angle in which you present it that becomes really where the value based is. So, uh, cool. I think there's some some neat pieces here or neat uh, pieces of information that I've taken away. Mm-hmm. Uh, what when you look at the space industry, what's the biggest challenge you see happening today? I think the base, the space industry is changing. Uh, first of all, there are many new players. You can see much more launchers uh, that used to be owned by space agencies, governments, consortium like uh, uh, Ariane Space or ULA or uh, Northrop Grumman now turns to be uh, you know, SpaceX and uh, others uh, from the States uh, start to be owned by billionaires like uh, Richard Branson with uh, Vir- uh, Virgin uh, Space or Virgin Galactic and Jeff Bezos and uh, 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 John Allen who passed uh, recently, but uh, passed away, but still have uh, his uh, dreams uh, ongoing. Uh, but many small vehicles turn to be a very aggressive movement in the launch industry. So we're going to see a lot of uh, small uh, rocket launchers going to orbit, to LEO, which is low elevation orbit. Uh, I can mention one of them, which is uh, Rocket Lab, but you can have also Vectors, uh, Fireflies, and, and others. But more than 100 entities are aiming to hit this or to exceed atmosphere. That helps space pharma, definitely. We can rely on, the, uh, we can shop, right? We can go and shop. Well, one of the challenges that I've been seeing is that we have so many people involved in the rocketry space, there's not enough business to be able to support them at the moment. So it, it does, there's too many, as some people believe. I'm not exactly sure I haven't analyzed it. The other one is with, with Alan dying, and maybe you've read something differently, but I've heard they've scaled back a lot of his space-based uh, projects yeah because they, yeah. they and then we had we had uh what's his name we had uh, deep space industry was absorbed and closed more or less and they're not going to be doing uh, space mining and neither is planet resources so i'm not exactly sure where we're going with this but i'm going to tell you that today uh, t- yes today that, it's going to shrink we have too many uh, uh, entities dealing with launching. Uh, I do see this market, you know, adjusting to the demand. It's happened like the dot-com with the internet uh, and even the uh, uh, 3D printing. Not everyone can survive and the best will survive. The rest will uh, be focused or fed out from the, the, the market. Uh, that's the reason the space farm actually relying on those. We are not developing a launcher, which is a very expensive business with a very, you know, limited market today. Uh, on the other hand, we are not building the CubeSats. We are integrating our laboratory, uh, delicate laboratory, into any uh, space vehicle. It can be a mini shuttle, it can be the International Space Station, it can be a sonic rocket. And that is fascinating because we are keeping the smart things uh, uh, shrinked within our system uh, with communication and, of course, with uh, all the liquid handling system, the lab on a chip, organ on a chip devices, uh, sensors, 
uh, and that and the direct uh, intervene of the client. I think this is a smart way of dealing with the uh, opportunity to, you know, uh, hitchhike or uh, piggyback on others, and on the other hand, to deliver uh, something which is very fruitful uh, economically wise. Uh, to disciplines that never spoke microgravity. Let's let's be honest. Our intent, Space Pharma's uh, intent, is to provide the technology to non-space players, uh, like uh, food industry, agrotechnology, chemicals. Uh, those stick to the ground, and the reason that they are dealing with the uh, non non-space technology is was the cost. And sometimes even the IP that they lose it for the owners of the spacecraft. Uh, and I hope that will change the market. Uh, it's, you know, sometimes people expect things to create faster or happen uh, or to be expedited dramatically. I think oh. it should be expedited appropriately. So it will take time, well. but we should be there. Well, I'm I'm hoping that we ex with Project Moon Hut Foundation. Yeah. I hope we expedite it faster. So, Yossi, thank you very much for being on the program. I appreciate you taking the time to put together the content that we've been learning about. I appreciate it tremendously. For everybody else, this uh, Project Moon Hut is uh, going on approximately a five-year project with a, a small team at NASA in in Silicon Valley region. And we want to collectively change how we live on Earth. And our directive is we'd like to create sustainable life on the moon, not self-sustaining life, through the accelerated development of an Earth and space-based ecosystem to change how we live on Earth for all species. We're not going to take 7.5 billion people and ship them to other planets. Right. So we have to take care of the one place that we know, that where we live, we have to, we have to keep it going. So... For those of you who have not checked it out, you can go to projectmoonhot.org, uh, sign up for our space-related database. So we know we are out there. We've also got facebook.com, Project Moon Hut. We've got to connect with Twitter at, at Project Moon Hut. And obviously, you've got the ability, the Age of Infinite podcast. So hopefully, you'll listen to others. So I'm David Goldsmith, and thank you for listening.